to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello and welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast. If you've yet to check out premium membership, please do as there's a mass of tools and benefits to help your business stand out and to ensure you stay at the top of your game. As part of membership, you get a full page listing in our directory, entry to a private discussion group, access to a library of over 80 how-to videos, a copy of our best-selling book and much more all for just $99. Head to the join page to find out more. Now, I'm delighted to be speaking with Megna Morali, a food business consultant who joins us from Sydney. Hello, Megna. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Robert. Thanks for having me. Okay. Well, look, it's, I'm dying to get into this topic because you work as a food business consultant. And from what I understand, from what you've told me, this is quite different to uh, being in the hospitality business. So why don't we start off with you just uh, kind of clarifying that one for us. Sure. So uh, I'm one half of a consultancy called Start Your Food Business, and we help people to launch their own food products. So this is something like a, a chutney, a, a barbecue rub, a cake business, uh, really dealing with physical food products as compared to the hospitality or cafe. Okay. So and typically, these people, you know, where do they find their recipes? Where are they coming from? So a lot of the time, our clients have a recipe that in mind that is maybe something that's a family recipe, something they've been making for a long time or something they're just very good at. Um, or alternatively, they also have an idea for a product um, that is something new out there in the market and they want to make it into a commercial success. Okay. And look, it strikes me that there's a lot of people getting into this kind of space. I mean, is, is, is that what you observe? Is this, are, you on, are you on a trend that's really kind of going a little bit nuts at the moment? Oh, absolutely. It's, there's a lot of interest in starting a food business and uh, mm. turning something that you're good at into a business. But not only that, but there's a lot of interest from consumers who want to try new products and they're always looking for the next new thing to try out and blog about and post about. So social media really helps with this trend. And I think it's a great time to be working in this space. Yeah, okay. Well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll come back in a little while to, to kind of how you help people. But I'm interested in, in the kind of people that come, you know, that come to you wanting your help. I mean, what is there a sort of a demographic that you can describe? Who are these people? I think a lot of people who want to enter the food industry are those that really have a passion for food and an interest mm. in food. Um, and they also could be looking for a, a lifestyle change, something that allows them to spend more time with their family, contribute to the family, have the flexibility to work their own hours. And it's actually never been easier to get started um, with your own business. And it's the same for the food industry as well. Well, look, that's encouraging. But I mean, I... I mean, it's great that it's it's a good time to be doing it, but it's, I'm guessing that it's it's not just a matter of kind of making my chutney in the kitchen and then putting a little table out on the street. It's not it's not that straightforward, is there? And there must be all sorts of regulations and things we need to think about. What are some of the some of the areas that you get involved in? 
Uh, you're absolutely right, Robert. So a lot of things that um, our, some of our clients really underestimate is the need to conform to the health and safety aspect. Being the food industry, you have to be very careful and really make safety a priority. Um, it's not all about the marketing and the cooking and all the other fun stuff, but there are other things you need to you need to be on top of as well. So uh, there are a lot of rules and regulations in Australia that you need to follow. Uh, some of them are around making sure that the environment in which you create your product is uh, safe and that it's you separate your waste products from the products that you're cooking with, that you have um, right uh, practices in place about hand washing and garbage disposal and such. Um, but another thing that uh, people don't always realize is that um, depending on where you live, your local council uh, may or may not actually permit you to cook from home. So uh, oh, if that's okay. the case, that you may have to find another venue to start creating your products in. Hmm, interesting. So it, you're saying it really varies state by state. And do do you see that uh, is this getting is it getting harder? I mean, do, can many people actually do it from their own home? It really depends on the local council where you live and also whether you own your own home or you're renting. So your local council will probably come and do an inspection in your place first and they'll let you know whether your uh, kitchen environment is safe and suitable to cook products in for sale. Um, Alternatively, they can also come and give you some recommendations on modifications that they would like you to make. And there is a process you need to follow. And unfortunately, it's not very uh, singular across Australia. It can vary from council to council. So really, the best place to get started is to call your local council and find out what their procedures and requirements are. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, in your experience, does that does that kind of stop a lot of these business ideas in their tracks? I mean, do a, do a, do a number just not are not able to move forwards because of those kind of restrictions? Yes, definitely, uh, because it can be quite cost prohibitive to make your home kitchen suitable according to your council rules. Mm. Uh, so a lot of people, is where, that's where they stop and they stop themselves and they restrict themselves to just cooking for friends and family without uh, actually earning an income. But really, that it, you don't have to stop there. There are other things you can do, such as um, hiring a commercial kitchen, which uh, doesn't have to be too expensive and it already has the equipments and licenses in place for you to create food that can then be sold. Yeah, okay. Okay. So basically, you're, the message I'm kind of getting from you is that, yes, there can be some obstacles in the way. But I mean, if you've got a good enough product and a good enough idea, then, you know, push through is kind of what I'm hearing. So what are the who are the kinds of people that this sort of most appeals to, you know, or, or not perhaps not appeals to, but who are the people that are succeeding at this? What kind of personal characteristics do you need to have apart from just being a good cook? So the, the food industry is a really vibrant and interesting space to be in, but it is also a, a crowded market and you really need to have passion and persistence to push through uh, because there will be challenges and there are there's a lot of uh, red tape that you have to work through. There's a lot of uh, things that you have to work with in terms of rules and regulations and make sure your packaging is in line with the laws, make sure your uh, kitchens are in line with your local council and such. So that's often where people fall back because it, it can be a little bit tedious, some of these administrative tasks, but really the people I see succeed are the one who have the passion to really make their dream a success and they're ready to invest the time and effort needed to get there yeah okay and this is this is obviously all the help that uh, that you give in your business is helping people along these lines I mean do you find also that that uh, your f people are coming to you with a recipe that's just not kind of practical to turn into a product and if so what do you do about that 
Yes, certainly. So uh, as we've spoken before, a lot of people start from home and they started making something at home and they might be using freshly grown veggies from their garden or something they pick up at their local market. And they're really proud about the ingredients and the uh, love and attention that goes into preparing it. But if you want to turn a product like that into something that's sitting in supermarket shelves and is being sold to people across the country or even across the world, you will need to change your recipes and processes so that it can actually be managed, manufactured in bulk. And that'll mean looking for alternative sources of supply. You may need to um, include preservatives of some sort to make sure it has the right shelf life. You may need to change the way it's packaged. So there are a lot of things that need to happen before your product can go from something that you're making for your friends and family to one that you're making for basically the whole country in a store. Yeah. And so what's what's your own sort of background? How, how are you able to kind of assist and, and how, how kind of deep does your support go? So uh, my partner and I, um, I, I started this business with my partner. We're originally from India, which is where we both um, came and got our interest in food, really. And uh, we started our own business, a spice business, a few years ago. And uh, my partner is actually a food product developer and a food technologist. So his uh-huh. experience really helped us when we were starting our first food business. and But there was still so much for us to learn and understand about the market. And along the way, we put together so much uh, resources and knowledge, and it was kind of just locked up in our in our brains and written down in our notebooks. And, and we decided to put it together into a course so that other people who are going through the same journey that we did, they find it a little bit easier and they have all the information on hand that they need. So that's where our first product started, actually. It's called the Everything You Need to Start Your Food Business course. And it's it's an online course for food startups. Okay, fantastic. So uh, and I'm, I'm intrigued. Do you still have your own food products? Do you still market your own food products? We do, actually. Our spice business is still running. It's called Spice Quarter. It's a, it's a, it's a subscription product. So we are still doing that on the side. And actually, we really enjoy having our, our hands in um, in both pies, so to speak, because there's still so much to learn and the market constantly changes. So having our own food business at the same time really gives us that unique perspective of the sort of challenges that our clients are continuing to go through. Yeah, look, and I just think, you know, whenever you're in a business where you're supporting and and sort of training others, the fact that you're still doing it yourselves, I just think says so much. And as you say, it forces you to stay at the kind of forefront of your game doesn't it if you're if you're actually in in that industry yourself so what are some of the the kind of i mean we've perhaps we've touched on a few of them but what are some of the kind of classic mistakes that people are making when they're moving into this space so the first one is is a couple of things we've touched on, which is our making sure that you're really on top of what your health and safety requirements are and, and other legal rules that you need to conform with. Um, and there is also a saying that, you know, you might have heard before, which is if you create it, they will come. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't think that's necessarily true anymore because it is a crowded market and often you're competing with more established brands that have the, the budgets to do a lot of advanced marketing. So really, uh, you need to make sure that your business plan is, is really solid and that you invest the time and effort needed to build your brand up and make sure you're distinguishing yourself from your competition. Mm. Uh, these are things that a lot of uh, food businesses that start off from a passion and an interest, their skill really lies in creating this amazing product. Um, but you need to have the support around it of a good brand, of having a great marketing strategy, of having a solid business plan that you're starting from to make sure that you actually get to that end goal uh, of yours, which is to 
make your product a commercial success and ha- share it with even more people. Yeah, look, and I guess just because a product tastes wonderful, unfortunately, isn't a guarantee of success, is it? No, definitely not. And and look, there's there's so much out there, and there's so many people. Um, they all want to try something new all the time, and and you can have success if someone you know picks up your product and they happen to blog about it or talk about it on social media, and it can really take off. But um, that's that's quite rare to happen, actually. And uh, to be honest, to to get that level of success, you need to have that hard work, and it will take time. But you know, if you're persistent and you have the passion, you can definitely get there. Yeah. Okay. So to, to somebody listening who's kind of got um you know, maybe a germ of an idea, probably wrong use of wording there, but has got, has got an idea <laughs> and wants to take it to market. I mean, what are some of the places that they start? I see increasingly at sort of markets and, you know, makers fairs and so on, people with products on their sort of stall. Is yes. that is that the right place to start? I know we're moving here more into the retail side, but, it, yeah. it, you know, do do you suggest that's the right way to start? Absolutely. Um, actually, markets are something that we recommend to a lot of clients to do because it really helps to talk to your customers face to face and get feedback from them and uh, find out how they're liking your products. What are their thoughts about the packaging? Do they have any feedback on different flavors that you might add? So markets are a really great way to get started and to test the validity of your product, along with, of course, asking your friends and family for their help and advice. And uh, the other positive aspect of markets is that it's really quite inexpensive to go to a market. Uh, you might pay fifty or hundred dollars for your for your stall at the market, and you'll have to get um, insurance. But you can get that as a one off for just uh, your current market stall. And often markets will provide you with the equipment you need. So you'll have the table, perhaps the gazebo, a parking space, and such. And you really just need so your products uh, to go there and yourself to connect with your customers. And it's a very good place to get started. Mm. Okay, so let's say though that. You know, you you are doing that. You know, we've we've got our product. We're doing quite well at markets. How do we then go to the kind of the next stage? I mean, what's our, we're not suddenly going to find ourselves on the shelves at Woolies and Coles. So, kind of, where do we go to next? Where does someone go to their next stage? So the next stage, if you want to commercialize your product beyond the markets and cooking from home. Uh, I really recommend that you start getting some professional advice. You'll need help with uh, your manufacturing. So you'll need help with turning your product into something that can be manufactured on mass scale. And that can take time to find the right manufacturer you can work with. And a good manufacturer will help you find substitutes for your ingredients and find the right supplier so that you can keep your costs down um, and understand how much uh, the whole process is going to cost, how many units you can manufacture, um, how does the taste and flavor profile change when you move from making it from home into making it into a um, into a factory um, mm. environment? So that's really the next place to get started is to start looking into that. Um, you can also uh, hire firms like us, ours, and there's a few others out there who can help you as well um, on getting the process started. Uh, you should also get uh, talking to a really good packaging and branding a designer who can really convey the message behind you and your product, build out a great brand story so that you can start uh, marketing it and start garnering interest for your product. Mm. But it's but so I, I totally follow all that. But I guess the the one of the big issues as well is how do you get distribution? How do you go from you know doing well in a small market to ha- having some distribution? Is that something that where a lot of people kind of falter and struggle a bit? 
Yes, that is the case because actually it's a little bit of a chicken and egg situation because when you go to a, a manufacturing scale, often the manufacturing companies, because of the range and scale of their equipment, they have certain minimum order quantities, which could run into the thousands. Mm. Um, and it's really hard to commit to manufacturing thousands of units when you're not sure who's actually going to purchase them yet. So there are distributors out there who can help get you into different retail stores. And that's probably the best place to get started for a first timer. Um, and over time, as you start building relationships with retailers directly, your second and third iterations of your products, you can approach them directly. But a distributor will help you um, get your product out there in front of different types of retailers and really start pushing for you. Uh, the other thing you can try is also start uh, approaching local businesses in your area. And, and many business owners are actually very, very happy to support a local small business and give them space in their store or start using their products amongst their, maybe their cafe customers or something mm. like that. And uh, you will find, you'll be surprised to find how many people are just so happy and so welcoming to support your small business within their own business. Oh, well, that's, that's very encouraging. But tell me, of the businesses that you see, and you must, through your, you know, through your business, you must see a lot of people that are doing Doing this, are there a number that that uh, stay at the kind of the market, making it at home kind of level that that can build a viable business at that at that level? I think it's definitely possible, and I have seen a few clients do that. And sometimes it's a personal choice because you want to um, continue to have that personal touch on your business and that personal connection with your customers. And it also maintains an aura of exclusivity that products are available online or in markets, and um, and it's all small batch and it's all lovely handcrafted products. And that's part of the brand. Um, and if that's conveyed really well through great messaging and marketing, then it can certainly do well. But uh, as I've mentioned before, it needs to be part of like a whole holistic business plan um, rather than something that's um, done maybe out of obligation or because you just don't have the time for it. Um, you build it as part of your business plan and make sure you market it to your clients, then actually it can do well as well. Yeah, okay. So again, it's very much, you know, what I'm hearing from you, it's, it, it's very much you, you've got to turn this into a serious business. You've got to have a plan. You've got to design it. And that's clearly the, the kind of work that you get involved in uh, with your business. Yes, exactly. And and I always tell my clients a lot, you know, you need to start with a really great business plan. And I know it sounds boring. I mean, who wants to sit and, you know, write pages and pages of business planning, but um, it doesn't have to be. It, it, a business plan could be something that's really simple and just a single pager about your vision for your business, because that's where a lot of other things will feed out from how you're going to produce your products, where you're going to market them, who your client is. Mm. And uh, it really all comes back to starting with that initial vision for your business as part of a, a good plan. Sure. And tell me, um, you know, within you, within the the online sort of course that you run, what sort of um, food products are you seeing through there? Just give us a kind of a cross section. How broad is the is uh, the sort of nature of of businesses that people are starting? So we've had a couple of businesses come through that are actually measly businesses. There's okay. um, some other granola business. There's been some um, meal kits actually come through. Some really wonderful flavor kits. We've had a couple of chutney brands. We've had quite a few different varieties come through. And, and the common factor in all of them is that these are all people who started off with uh, a great idea saying, I really want to make something different. And, you know, I'm not happy with what's available in the market and I want to create my own. Or they have had a, a recipe that, um, you know, they've perfected over time and they've 
they've been brave enough to take that first step and get started. And and uh, and now that they've had the support and guidance and they kind of know what they need to do next, um, they're really making great strides and great progress. Okay, so it's, it really is a broad cross-section, muesli, soups, chutneys, pre- full prepared meals, the whole the whole lot. Yes, and, and uh, there's a lot of commonalities across different types of food businesses, um, you know, whether you're in a muesli or a chutney person. Uh, a lot of the things that you need to do are quite similar, like you're making sure that your product is safe for consumption, making sure your labeling is right, um, making sure you choose the right manufacturer, uh, making sure you have your finances on point, you understand how to price and cost your products. So, so our course is actually at a level where it can suit a number of different types of food businesses as long as they're a food product um, so that uh, it appeals to the, the mass of people that want to do it. Um, and the language is really easy so that anyone can pick it up and, and follow through. Yeah, okay. And to what extent are, are kind of clients of yours selling their products online? Do you see that as a uh, very much a growing trend as well? We've talked a lot about markets and stores. Online is definitely a growing trend because it's very easy now to actually just get selling online. You know, preparing a website can be done in less than an hour and listing your products for sale is very easy after that. Uh, And online is really where a lot of people go to get inspiration now. Um, You know, if you want to look for something new, rather than go and look in your local supermarket, you'd probably first look online and see what's available. So having an online presence is important. And uh, even if you choose not to sell your products online, like a lot of big brands don't sell their products directly online online, um, it actually helps build that brand image and build an interest in your product. And you can just list your stockists online, even if it's a simple website. So mm. um, I think online is a death strategy that every food business owner needs to include. Yeah, okay. So look, finally, Magda, how do you see the kind of future? As, as we said at the outset, you know, it seems very popular. A lot of people are getting into this sort of notion of starting a food business. How do you see the future? Is it going to get easier and easier or is it going to get tougher in terms of sort of councils and and governments? What's your sort of view of the future? Uh, look, I'd like to say that I think the councils and government rules are going to get easier, but I actually think that they'll they'll start tightening it up a little bit more because there's so many new entrants in the market. Um, and in some ways, that's necessary because we want to make sure that the products that are available and being sold are uh, safe and they're healthy for all Australians. But I also think that there's going to be a rising trend in exporting Australian food products out to other markets around the world. So that's something that um, I think a lot of food businesses that are coming through now uh, can really tap into. There's a lot of interest from overseas for really great quality health Australian products. Uh, so yeah, that's that's really where I see it go. And I think that the interest in starting a food product is just, it's just booming and it's going to continue to boom. Well, that's great news. So good news for your business as well. So look, Meghna Morali, thank you so much for joining us. So if we want to find out more for uh, of your business and what you're doing, we head along to startyourfoodbusiness.com.au. That's right. You'll find everything you need to know on our website. Great. Thank, Megna, thank you so much for joining us. And thank look, you, Robert. Before I go, don't forget that when it comes to creating a truly enjoyable and pros- prosperous business, Flying Solo gets you. Premium membership has all the tips and tools you'll need for just $99. Head to the join page to learn more. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. 
And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.